you lot. You're listening to Garage Hammer. Episode 272. On tonight's episode, the Manlings had to take a break from covering all the lore and the other stuff because, uh, apparently, Manling architecture does not stand up to Dwarden architecture as we've only been saying for thousands of years. So it looks like tonight, the fat Manling is bringing you one of his little bonus side projects and he hopes you like it and I do too because otherwise I can't say SHUT IT! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage You Tools for the next two hours or thereabouts I'm going to do the best I can to keep you informed, entertained and have a few laughs along the way bringing you Garage World and Weird Movies and Patreon bonuses, I'm Dave Whitek, and normally Lindsay the Albino Canadian Hockey Puck is here with me, but she is not, because I am not recording in the crypt, because the crypt was underwater. Uh, that's right, folks, some pumps eventually die, and when they do, if you have a storm that drops about .95 inches of rain in two hours, next thing you know, you're sitting there down in the crypt hobbying, talking to your friend on the phone, and you look over and half the rug has changed color, and you go, ah! and then you have to go and spend a lot of time and money fixing that. So, listen, I know I said on the Patreon, on the Facebook page, and on the Twitter account that we were going to be covering um, the FAQs today. We're going to put out the next episode well before the 10th. Uh, we're actually going to record that hopefully tomorrow with Chris. I just couldn't get all the computer stuff in here to connect with him but I'm thinking tomorrow we're going to be able to record that, and we will post that well before the 10th. So the FAQ talk is still going to be hopefully, um, you know, uh, you know, relevant and recent. Um, no more waiting for weeks or even months after something comes out to talk about it. We are on the ball. Um, Chris is a voracious reader when it comes to this type of stuff, and he can't wait for the new info. So... Since we got someone who's a new info guy, we're going to just drop it like it's hot with you guys, okay? But for today, we have this problem is we couldn't record the show and put it out on time for this month. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is what goes out uh, if you're a Patreon patron. This is the stuff from the toolbox where we talk about – we've basically been talking about movies, but if we go to if we go to special events or things like that, we may talk about them there. This is non Games Workshop related stuff. So if you're really not interested in anything that's not Games Workshop related, I apologize. Uh, this episode may not be for you. However, if you do like the other section of the toolbox and you do like movies and you want to hear a couple of people pick them apart and talk about them, um, this is anyone who uh, pledges at the, I believe it's three color minimum. It's basically $3 an episode, six bucks a month. If you're in for six bucks a month, um, this is this is the bonus content that you get. Uh, I always said there won't be a paywall for Garage Hammer or Garage Gamer, and there won't. But um, we just thought this was fun. We enjoyed doing it. And so I figured rather than not put something out, um, I really wanted to get something out. Um, you know, I haven't missed by two episode a month, uh, you know, promise to you guys in 11 years, and I don't plan on m messing it up now. Um, but like I said, we are going to jump in 
and uh, and you get, you get this bonus episode for you. It's kind of bonus, but it's still regular. But we will have the regular Garage Hammer episode out, you know, probably within a few days. Like, I'm thinking well before the 10th. So we, I know we've been late lately. Now we're going to try to come in a little bit early so that you guys can get this uh, this coverage, the FAQs and things like that. So um, before we jump into that, I do want to do the basics. I do want to thank our sponsors, uh, KS Org Superstore, KS Org Superstore, KS Org Superstore, KS Org Superstore, Six Squared Studios for all your basing, 3D printing, modeling, MDF needs. If you need something that's not paint or a brush for your models, these are the guys to get it from. And Grognar Games, because there's always something happening at Grognards. Uh, yeah, even the bell's not up. I'm not down there. I don't even have my bell right now. It's such a sad state of affairs, I know. Uh, also want to uh, thank all of our Patreon patrons, the ones who made this this episode in particular possible. Um, and they help out to make sure everything we do on this show is possible. That includes our associate producers, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Big Jake, and our executive producers, Colin Miller and Tyler McDonald. And our newest Patreon patrons, Vic- Victor Escusha or Escudi Escusha. I think it's Escusha. I hope I pronounced that right. Hey, Victor, if I got that wrong, uh, I want to know so I can pronounce it the right way because I hate mispronouncing people's names. It's your name. It should be pronounced properly. And Ian McPhail. I think it's McPhail, P-H-A-I-L. Uh, hopefully I got that one right as well. But thank you guys. Thank you too for thinking this show is worth something and for jumping in and being a part of that almost 1% that makes, like I said, everything we do here possible. So uh, before we jump in and go to our regular commercial, we are now uh, this is a regular episode and you know, so we are going to have commercials and stuff, but normally there's not. But before we go to commercials, I just want to remind people that we do still have voicemail. So if you want to call and leave a voicemail, in fact, I would love to hear what you think about this, this, uh, you know, this particular uh, show. Uh, you can call one seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. International callers dial zero zero, and then one seven five seven GH show six. Call that number. Tell me what you think. I'm hoping you like it. I really am hoping you like it because I like it. I think it's great. Um, now, first episode we did was the uh, 1978 John Carpenter classic Halloween. Um, and that's still available for anyone who joins into the patron. You'll, uh, if you become a Patreon patron at the right, at that level, um, you will get the, um, you'll get the, it'll, it'll email you when we put out an episode and you'll get a code and you can go listen to all the, all the, uh, episodes of Garage World. There's only that one right now. This is the second one. Um, and, uh, I will probably upload it to there anyway, uh, just so they're all in the same place. But this one, when we come back, we're going to take a break in just a second. But when we come back, we are bringing you a, a classic from 1985 known as The Stuff. So we'll be back with The Stuff, the Garage World episode after this. Yeah, 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 yeah
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. When I was a little girl, I didn't think there was anything that I liked better than ice cream. Now I'm a big girl, and I've decided there's something I like better, much better. It's called the stuff. And believe me, enough is never enough. So, picture this. It's 1985. You're an old man. You're in the snow. You see some goop in the snow. You taste it and say, ooh, delicious. I should sell this. If that's the situation you're in, you might be watching The Stuff. And if you're watching The Stuff, or if you haven't watched it, maybe pause this and go watch it so you can be a part of it. If you have watched it, I'm sorry. You're right in here with us. And who's us? That is myself, David Witek. And who is here with me? My wonderful, fantastic, amazing co-host, Heather Witek. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, so, you watched the stuff. I did. I watched it twice. Uh, I the, Once because I uh, couldn't believe what was going on. And the second time, say, yep, nope, you, you got it. That's what it is. Now, I will say this. It was fantastic. You actually stopped the movie to, to check with me several times. Wait, is this real? Is this, did I miss something? Am I watching an edited version of this film? Let's be very clear. When I watch films, I don't back them up. I keep them going. Uh-huh. David likes to back things up. I do not. It irks me. It's a pet peeve. <laughs> so I did stop it just to see where it was to make sure that I actually hadn't missed something. Like I looked on at my phone and I sent a message and all of a sudden I missed major plot point. Nope. Nope. That wasn't the case. And how do I know this? Because I watched it twice. Yeah, I've watched it several times. And um, so... <laughs> Oh boy, this movie. So first of all, just let's let's talk a little about pre the stuff. What okay. do we find out about this film? So one of the things I noticed is that um, Michael Moriarty is is the big star of the stuff, and you may or may not know him as the original DA on Law and Order, the original Law and Order, of which his co-star in this film was also in. The mighty and great Paul Servino. Yes, yes. Here's the thing: is this movie was promoted as a horror movie, and if you if you uh, listen to the, the the director and writer Larry Cohen, uh, and if you don't know who Larry Cohen is, Larry Cohen has a ton of writing credits to his name, but he's been directing movies since the '70s. He did Black Caesar. He did Hell Up in Harlem. 
He did uh, It's Alive, It's Alive 3. He did the movie God Told Me To, which is one of the only two movies with Andy Kaufman in it. Um, God Told Me To is a weird movie. I did not know that. Yes, he did that and Heartbeeps, and they both bombed, and nobody ever gave him another that movie. That one I've seen. Yeah. God, Out of all those movies you've listed, that's the only one I've seen. But that, Heartbeeps had no, no one from this was in it. That was just Andy Kaufman. Uh, Q, right. Quetzalcoatl, you know, Q, the big giant winged serpent, mm-hmm. uh, also starring Michael Moriarty. And he wrote uh, the Maniac Cop trilogy and directed those. All three of them? Yes. Because I like Cohen. Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. I admittedly have not seen number three. Well, they're pretty much the same movie. but So that's, that's Larry Cohen. Now, I'm looking at this, and now Larry Cohen has said... And we'll talk about. I think we t- save that for later after the movie. What he wanted it to be, because yeah, it's absolutely. To be and a I think movie. I think people need to keep in mind while they're listening to this that this film was made and released in 1985. Yeah. So that'll have uh, some impact, I think, onto what we'll be talking about at the end. Absolutely. Now you go down this, and it's insane, though. I'm just going to give you this is this is actually an impressive cast for like a low budget horror film. Well, remember. He didn't intend it to be a horror film, so maybe that has something to do with the with the cast. But so, go for it. So you got Michael Moriarty, who you said was the 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 DA for like the first five seasons of Law and Order. Correct. He was also in Q. He was one of the main characters in Q, Larry Cohen's film. He was in Pale Rider, Who'll Stop the Rain, It's Alive Three, Larry Cohen, Return to Salem's Lot, Larry Cohen wrote the screenplay. Uh, so he's been in a lot of Larry Cohen films. Um, you got Garrett Morris. Saturday Night Live. Thing. Yeah, I had to do a stop on that. I was like, like what? Uh, he was, if, for, if you don't know him from Saturday Night Live, you might know him as Earl from Two Broke Girls. He was on that entire show. He was on TV's Martin uh, with Martin Lawrence. He was the producer of his show. I was going to say, I haven't watched Two Broke Girls. He was, uh, I love Two Broke Girls, but I like that. I like what's her name, Kat Cat Dunnings. Yeah. She reminds me of you a little bit. Aw, thanks. Uh, and he was also in Car Wash and Cooley High, some 70s films. Then you get Paul Sorvino. Like you said, Law and Order, like six seasons of Law and Order. Well, many of them um, with. Let's let's just point out that Paul Sorvino's in my favorite film, ever. Rosemary's Baby. No, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. That's where uh, most people know him from. Yeah. He's Paulie from Goodfellas. And I tell you what, I didn't know Paul Sorvino because I hadn't, he wasn't on Law and Order yet. I hadn't seen him in too many, and and other things I would remember him. Goodfellas in. wasn't out then. And he was. Terrifying in Goodfellas. I was frightened of that man. That's a man, like, and he's a guy that my dad or my uncle would have known, and would have been like, you know, treat this man with respect. You just don't. But Paulie, without ever raising his voice, without doing much of anything, was Paul Sorvino can be scary. Okay, so kind of, so it, just a little history on Heather and David. Um, I come from a pretty strong Italian background, and I remember the first time David met my extended family. And he and everybody in my family, unlike Goodfellas, who's Peter and Paul, my family's Vincent Frank. So everybody he met was Vincent Frank. And Paul Servino reminds me of my father. So Paul Servino's not so scary for me because that's my daddy. Oh, when I saw that movie, I was frightened. He also, and here's one of my favorite roles I know him from. He was in The Rocketeer. He played Eddie Valentine, the mobster. And he had my favorite line Type in the movie. Typecast. Now, picture, um, not, uh, uh, he was... Uh, Oh, he was in Hot Fuzz. He was the guy who gets the spike through his neck. He was also James Bond for a while. Bef- when they couldn't, um, he's, I can't think of the actor's name. Timothy Dalton? Timothy Dalton. 
Timothy Dalton is playing a Nazi in The Rocketeer, and he's hired these mobsters to work for him, but they don't know he's a Nazi. And at the end of the movie, the Rocketeer comes out, and he's talking to Paul Servino. He's like, what do you feel working for a Nazi, Eddie? He's like, what is he talking about? He's like, Eddie, I pay you well. Does it matter who I work for? And Paul Sorvino, in that Paul Sorvino voice, he gets that angry look on his face, and he looks at him and he goes, I may not make an honest buck, but I'm 100% American. And I don't work for no two-bit Nazi. Light them up, boys! And then they pull out the Tommy guns. It's like the best part of the film. Paul Sorvino's in that. You got Danny Aiello. Moonstruck. Do the right thing. Hudson Hawk. Leon the Professional. Like, Danny Aiello's been, like, nominated for huge awards. He's in this movie. Um, look, you got some of the some of the minor characters. Patrick O'Neill, who was in The Stepford Wives and Under Siege. And For the Boys with uh, Bette Midler and James Caan. Um, the two brothers who were in the family eating the stuff. Who were actual brothers. They were actual brothers. One of them was in John Q. The youngest boy wound up being in the movie John Q and sm- with uh, Denzel mm-hmm. Washington and Smoking Aces. His brother, Brian Bloom, has 205 credits on IMDb. It's mostly voice acting. Interesting. He was in the 2010 version of The A-Team. And he was in 73 episodes of As the World Turns, the soap opera. You know, that's not one that I watched. It wasn't one I watched either. Um, but he has so many video... Like, he, if, if there's... Uh, he's in so many popular video game voiceovers and cartoon voiceovers. Um, in fact, if you played some of the Marvel games that came out in the last three years, he is the voice usually of uh, Steve Rogers and Captain America. Hmm. Also, Abe Vigoda shows up in it in the commercial with Clara Peller, the Where's the Beef Lady, where they have her saying, Where's the Stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, sort of this weird parody, which is the movie seems more funny than anything. And she was from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of uncredited roles, although you might notice them if you look quickly. Eric Bogosian is the uh, store clerk when the kid is uh, wrecking the grocery store. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who tackles the kid. Patrick Dempsey is the underground stuff buyer number two at the very end of the film. Shut up. And Mira Sorvino, in her first role ever, working with Daddy, uh, as one of the factory workers. I think if you blink, you'll miss her. But she's in there as a factory worker. Interesting. So, so you've got all of this talent. Mira Sorvino like, won an Academy Award. For Mighty Aphrodite. Yeah, yes. I mean, these are people. And you're, watch, and you're like, you're in this movie called The Stuff. Now... Let's just start right into the stuff because it opens up. And you feel like you came in late to the film because it literally just fades in and there's a dude standing there in the snow at a quarry. There's no, there's none of the opening, like the, like it doesn't say Universal or New Line. There's no, that, that opening giving you your logo of the production company. It just, movie. Yes. So, old dude walks up, looks in the snow and there's this and eats it. Yeah, there's this white stuff. It looks like it looks it like looks marshmallow like, fluff. Yeah, to me it looks like fluff. Like we're gonna make fluff or nutter sandwiches. And it's b- sort of puffing and bubbling. He's like, "What's that?" Sticks his fingers in it, looks at it, sniffs it. Literally, he's talking to himself. Says, "Smells kind of good." Tastes it. Mm, tastes good. Keeps eating it. Says, "Oh man, you know this tastes good. If there's enough of this, we could sell this to people." His friend walks up to him. He holds his hand out. He's like, "Taste this." His friend's like, no, I'm not eating snow. He's like, this ain't snow. Weirdest opening, I think, ever to a movie. Like, literally, that's the first, like, minute. Now, I'm gonna, by, by the way, we're going to just cover the first 10 to 15 minutes of this film, and you're going to watch the amazing amount of info dumping that they do in this movie. Yes, Because it's bananas. B- 
because the very next thing after that guy's tasting it is it just cuts to this kid in bed. And he's slapping his arms and he wakes up and he's like, oh, I'm being eaten alive, which I thought was a clever thing because of what's going to happen later in the film with these people. Mm -hmm. He's got mosquitoes. He closes the window. He goes downstairs. It's like four in the morning. He's hungry. He opens up his fridge and there's a container. And it looks like a... Sometimes they look plastic and sometimes they look like cardboardy paper, like But they ben definitely look like ice cream containers. Yeah, like a Ben and Jerry size container. It's on its side, it's open, and the stuff is moving in the fridge. And the kid looks at it and he's freaking out and suddenly his dad shows up and yells at him for being up. His whole family's awful. Well, and we learn why. Well, they're no, they're just awful. After the stuff, they become very friendly. But the dad's yelling at him, telling the kid, go to bed. The kid's like, don't eat that. It's weird. Did you see it move? And the dad's like, stop being an idiot. Um, the next morning, he wakes up. Oh, no, we haven't even gotten to the next morning. No, because it, then it's like commercials. It's like all of a sudden they edit in like commercials for the stuff. And you're like, what is this stuff? Yeah, and they call it The Stuff. You can't get enough of The Stuff. I'm sorry, that's the worst name for a product. Oh, and it's so in 70s font, too. It didn't even look like 85. I was thinking more like 75. Yeah, it's got that weird bubbly, like I, I expected it to say, keep on trucking. Yeah, it was you know? just... Or sock it to me. So, <laughs> you're on, now it cuts to a yacht. And there's these guys... And they're trying to, they, they don't know what's in the stuff, but they're upset and they're hiring corporate espionage. And the, one of the guys literally says, and there's so many weird lines in the background that you don't hear clearly that I was jotting down in my notes, okay? One of the guys literally says, we have to keep the world safe for ice cream. And the stuff is cutting into their ice cream profits. They don't know what it is. They can't figure it out. So they, they're going to go with corporate espionage. And they hire a guy named David Rutherford, who is... Who goes by Mo. Mo. Although he's credited in the credits as David. Yes. Not Mo. But nobody calls him David. But he's got this, this slight southern drawl. And yeah, which I couldn't tell if that was put on or if that was Michael Moriarty because he Michael Moriarty kind of has this very distinctive cadence when yeah. he speaks. So I, I, I think it was more Michael Moriarty then. It's possible. What I found interesting was so he comes up and he, of course he goes, you know why they call me Mo? Because when people give me money, I always want Mo, which was fine. It's a dumb joke, but it gives you remember his name. But he does it again later in the film. And Harrison was watching this with me in the basement. He's like, okay, once that was stupid. Twice, this is, you don't, you don't need, you gotta, you can't keep saying that same thing over and over through the film. That, that's not, that's not okay. It's not that funny. Right. But so they basically hire him. And he comes in and he's actually pretty smart. Because he's, he's former FBI. Right. And the one guy's telling him about how, you know, you got kicked out of the FBI. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah. I missed all this stuff that you got to do before you retired. Who cares about you? Um, I didn't know Michael Moriarty was six foot four. Yeah, he's kind of big. Yeah. And you find out that they can't get, and he says, why don't you go to the FDA and find out what it is? Because they can't, because literally everyone on the FDA who approved it all either retired or are out of the country on vacation right now. Coincidence? Yeah. Hmm. And once again, we're not even five minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Michael Moriarty uh, tells them, you know, they better pay him and he gets his money and he's telling them how, and he's showing them how clever he is. He bugged one of them. He knows what's going on. He's going to find the information. And then as he's talking to the guy, the guy who hired him goes, <laughs> says to him, 
Mr. Moriarty, I don't think you're quite as dumb as you appear to be. And he looks at him and goes, no one's as dumb as I appear to be, which I thought was great. Like, he's just like, yeah, don't underestimate this guy. Um, and he leaves, and the, the other guy from the FBI calls him a name, and he punches him out as he walks out. So you start, it's, it's all this fast stuff. Larry Cohen is working very hard to establish some background and some information that we can pick up for these characters so we know about them. But like I said, we're just minutes into the film. Oh, and by the way, the credits don't technically roll. Um, when the kid goes to close the window, the words "the stuff" pop up on the screen, and on the bottom, it's got the Latin, you know, 1985, and then the name of the production company, and that's about it. Like they put up the characters' names, sort of as the kids walking downstairs. It's bizarre. There's no real opening credits to this film. Um, you get back to the family. It's breakfast time. The one son's eating his cereal. The dad is ignoring them all and reading the paper and being hostile. Everyone's mean. This whole family's terrible. The kid comes downstairs. The, the older brother finishes breakfast. Says, I finished breakfast. Can I have some now? And the mom's like, okay. And he's eating the stuff. And the little boy's like, don't eat that. It's bad for you. It's terrible. And they're like, no, it's good for you. Try some. And he won't eat it. Like, he slaps it onto the wall. You were laughing. He knocks it on the wall. And the mom's like, if this stains, and she wipes it, it doesn't even stain. It was so weird. It tastes good. It's good for you, and it doesn't even stain. Like, it's just... But the kid doesn't want to eat it. He runs out of the house to go to school. And uh, suddenly, we're back with Michael... We're back with Mo Rutherford, and he's with a scientist. And they can't figure out what's in it. And someone's like, well, why don't you just... Don't, doesn't the FDA make you list the ingredients? And the guy turns around and says, it's like Coca-Cola. It's, a, it's, it's their secret formula. They don't have to a, reveal the secret formula. The FDA knows, and it's this, that, or the other. So they've explained why nobody knows what this is. Even though you can just buy it. Even when they buy it, they can't analyze it. They can't figure out what's, what makes it what it is. Uh, let's see. Oh, now you got the com- now they cut and they're recording commercials for this stuff. Lots of commercials. Lots of commercials. They go in there. They're recording commercials. He comes in and pretends to be from Big Oil, and he tells the lady who's making the commercials because he wants to get info from her about the stuff. Like I know he's he he engages in corporate espionage, but like nobody's checking anything. Like he just kind of walks in mm-hmm. wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Exactly. He walks in and says, I'm from this company. We don't, and we don't want to hire you. We want to buy your company and put you in charge of it. So the lady who's doing the commercials is like, ooh, ah. And then she tells her, her, uh, her assistant to find out about this guy and then go buy me a black or go get me a dress for tonight. And then he says he's going to take her to dinner. Where does she want to eat? And she says, do they have room service at your hotel? Yeah, like, this is like escalated quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and so th- so they're going to go out and talk about doing this other thing. And now we're about literally 10 minutes into the film. You have dumped not even 15 minutes. You have, And we don't even know how much time has passed because nothing is said. First, the guy's tasting it. Next thing you know, it's in stores. And they're making commercials for it. And they're really weird 70s commercials with models just eating it and singing about how you can't get enough of it. it none of this is... is it's just so weird. Um, and then we get to the, the grocery store scene, which is like the, the end of this beginning part. Uh, and I just, I love this grocery store scene. The kid walks into the grocery store alone. Like, I don't know if he's on his way home from school or what, but nobody's with him, right? 
he walks in and there's people going up and down the aisles grocery shopping and the kids in the cart have the stuff and it's open and they're just eating it in the store which like is, who does that the, well, the, i've seen parents like open up a box or something just to give their kids like a cookie to shut them up and i'm always like dude don't open the food you yeah, haven't paid for it's yet. Yeah, like, but it's like marshmallow fluff. You can't eat that with your fingers. The kid's That's just disgusting. licking. The kid's just Ugh. licking it, and the and the kid goes, "Don't, don't, don't eat that!" and takes it and throws it on the floor. And then the lady yells at me. He runs down the aisle. Now this is the weird thing. He runs down the aisle and sees a big standing display of the stuff. Right, just all the containers piled up, like you would see. You know. So I'm very confused about this. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Let's see if you know what I'm going to say. Sometimes it's refrigerated, sometimes it's not. Exactly. I don't get it. Like they've got a bunch of it in the freezer and then a bunch of it just on a display like on the floor. Yeah, I don't it it they stored it in the refrigerator at home. Later on when they're at a diner, we see that it's, it's in the in big walk in. Like I I don't understand what the what the storage um rules are on the stuff no idea i i agree with you. and i would ask the fda but they're on vacation so. and as so the kid sees this and tells people not to eat it he grabs a broom from a mop bucket in the store and starts running down the, the thing knocking all these over which by the way and this is this is one of those little pet peeves of mine like whenever you see people in the movie they hand someone a cup of coffee you can tell yeah. that's empty because they don't they don't because there's no weight to it yeah there's, and they, they don't handle it, it funny and when they put it down you could hear that hollow clock on the yeah. table He's running and knocking over all these cups, and they're obviously empty. Yes. And then you see the floor, and they're open, and now there's stuff on the floor. And this is the thing. There's stuff on the floor, and kids start running around and just scooping it with their hands off the floor and eating it. Like, it's so gross. It is so gross. And I guess it's supposed to show how addictive this stuff is. Like, once you taste it, you want more. But, like, are you really eating it off the floor? Like, nobody notices a problem with this. Exactly. And eventually, then he smashed, Then he takes smashes the windows of the freezer, which I thought would be a little thicker than that, mm-hmm. that he just hit it with a broom and they shattered. No, oh, it's the 80s. And he's knocking the stuff over, and he knocks over the display, and that's when Eric Bogosian is there. And he, like, and then it's so funny. If you watch, Bogosian dives to tackle the kid and lands on top of the open freezers, like where you go pick, you know, like the, the big open, low freezer. And then he sits, he just lays there for a good 30 seconds. He's just laying there, like looking at the kid while the kid's running around wrecking stuff. Doesn't try to get up. They, they tackle the kid, and that's the end of the scene. And so it's like, you know, this kid knows what's in on it. But once again, if this sounds disjointed, it is. Mm-hmm. This movie. We have no idea why this kid has figured it out and nobody else well, he has. he saw it moving. I, but, but he's the only, only one. And how did he see it moving? We, like, we don't learn any of this stuff. Yeah. We just, it just happens. And, and everyone else apparently is completely oblivious. Well, and that's the thing. You see him. He opens the fridge and you see his eyes. And then you see the stuff is on its side and open and moving. Like, you know, you, you see him seeing it moving. If, it's, if this stuff is, is supposed to be eaten and wants to be eaten or whatever it is, if it's this thing, why is it moving around his fridge? Has it moved around in no other fridges? Why isn't it moving around in the freezer or in the fridge in the, in the market? It, this, this movie just jumps from, we don't know how much time has passed since they discovered it. Nope. We're just getting info dump after info dump about uh, who's trying to find out what it is. And you're still watching, like, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, what happens next? Okay, so then he goes to see Danny Aiello, who's one of the guys who um, was on the FDA. 
He, no, he's not on the FDA, but he's one of the people who put it through to get it approved by the FDA. No, I think he was retired FDA. Oh, okay, you're right, yeah, right, retired FDA. Uh, he's there. He's got a he's got a Doberman, which the Doberman is like barks at Danny Aiello a lot every time he talks, but it leaves Mo alone. Uh, the dog seems like mad at him. Um, Danny Aiello tells him stuff like, "If there's no reason to forbid an item, we have to approve it. Like it's not a drug. If there's nothing, if there's no reason to not approve it, we have to approve it." Every time he starts talking about the stuff, the dog starts barking at him. Um. And then he talks about it, and he's like, you know, uh, it's, it's fine. Um, Mo's like, I don't eat it. Uh, Daniela says, I have, some inf- I have some information I can share with you, not, not confidential stuff, just public stuff I have upstairs if you want it. And he says, I would like it. Um, and then Daniela says, the stuff's really good, and he feeds it to his dog. He tells him that he feeds it to the dog. The do- he's like, your dog eats it? The dog loves it. So now you're like, oh, the dog's barking. So- uh, when he goes upstairs, he goes to look in his kitchen to get a glass of water, and there's a, a, a beautiful pyramid of containers the of the stuff on his kitchen table, which reminded me of that scene from Leonard Part 6 where Bill Cosby is just walking through this basement, and just in one of the rooms is lava soap just piled up in a mountain. Like It's the, so cute that you think I've seen Leonard Part nobody's 6. Nobody's seen it, but it was just the most... It's it, me and Nick DeGillo, I think, are the only two people who saw this because it is the in, most insane product placement. It's a, a, a table in the middle of a basement with a with a pyramid stock of lava soap just piled up on it for no reason, like no reason why it would even be there other than that it was product placement. And they paid him. Uh, so he's got all this stuff piled up in there and he comes back down and gives him the paperwork and he leaves and Danny Aiello, like the dog is growling at him. And he gets looking at the dog. He's like, why is the dog growling? What is happening? Why is the dog? And, you know, he told him he fed him the stuff. But it's like, so wait, the stuff doesn't want him talking? The stuff knows he's talking about this? Wants him to talk about it? Why, what is happening? And this is the biggest question is, what is, like, is it sentient? Is it trying to be? I don't know if we're supposed to be in Mo's shoes, like trying to figure, like just we're thrown in the middle of it because he's thrown in the middle of it. And nobody knows what's going on. I mean, granted, Larry Cohen wrote this. And if you look at the list of films I told you about, it's not like these are really deep philosophical films. These are, you know, mostly horror movies and, 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 and weird, weird films like that. He seems to think so. Oh, he does. Um, and that's when he leaves Danny Aiello. Now, he leaves Danny Aiello's house like it's it's like... Afternoon, maybe dinner time, right? It cuts to him. He's at a stand. It's like a freestanding. It's like one of those little mini, like a Dairy Queen. But all it sells is the stuff. He's like, it's 2.30 in the morning, and there's crowds around. The, and there are. There's crowds around the place buying it at 2.30 in the morning. But then we cut back to Danny Aiello's house, and it's still light out again. So I don't know if we're having a continuity issue. Or... Well, I got a continuity issue that I found the oh. second time I watched it. Oh, God. If it comes up, be sure to tell me. But then it cuts back, and the, his dog Ben is attacking him, and he's on the. It just and here's the thing. It cuts back to him, and there's no lead up to this. He's lying on the floor. You hear the dog barking. He's lying on the floor. He's got a phone. He's holding the phone, going, "Please help! Please, my dog's attacking me." The dog runs in, grabs the phone cord in its mouth, and rips it out of the wall, and then goes after him. And he says. The dog is like, it's obvious the dog's licking him, too. He's not really being attacked, but they had to do this to make it look that way. So they dub over this barking while the dog's licking him. Then they cut to a a fake dog opening his mouth, and the stuff starts coming out of the dog's mouth. Right. 
Which why is it doing that? Is it I, I don't this We is, don't know. Yeah. And he, before before it cuts away from Danny Ayo getting killed, he screams, "I'm sorry, I'll buy more." So apparently he didn't buy enough of this stuff. Like I don't know, but it's the, he's dead now. And that's it. Uh, and it's one of the, it's probably the worst effect in the movie. It makes no sense when this stuff comes out of the dog. No. Um, At first, I thought the dog was just rabbit or something. No, yeah, it was just weird. Um, and next thing you know, we're at this little tiny, like abandoned, practically abandoned town. And Mo pulls in for gas and starts asking questions. And the guy is pumping gas for him, and keeps trying to get him to go to the bathroom. You need to use the bathroom? No. Well, I just put in fresh towels. Why don't you go back to the bathroom? He's like, I don't need to. Another car pulls up. This fancy rolls. And he's like, ah, two strangers in town in one day. This is something weird. And when 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 Mo goes over to look at the car, the guy who the old guy who was pumping his gas runs away into the forest. Why? We don't know. So he goes to look at the car and flies over, comes flying over the car with a karate kick and a kia is Garrett Morris. And they start fighting. And as the fight goes on... Uh, uh, Keep in mind, we don't know why they're in this little itty-bitty town. No. There's been no reason, no, hey, I just, there's something in town... Oh, Danny Aiello mentioned that some of the people that was they mentioned that some of the people there that they, they were in the something was happening in this town. So he went to this town to go find out what was happening that's connected to the stuff. Um, it's Garrett Morris attacks him and then he punches him on and uh, knocks him down on the ground. He goes, "Hey, you're Chocolate Chip Charlie," which is basically based on Famous Amos. I like those cookies. <laughs> He's Chocolate Chip Charlie. And what are you doing here? My family stole the company from me. And then sold it to these people. And, and at first when he said the company, I was like, was it the stuff company or is it, you know, chocolate chip Charlie cookie company? Like I wasn't, it was, it wasn't, it was never stated. Yeah, no. But apparently his family stole the company no, from a him. A printing company? We don't know. Well, you find out that part of, they bought, they were, con- later on you find out they were that they bought it and they were, his family was sold it to the stuff who is converting his factory to make the stuff. And they'll be mass producing more of it in a couple of months because they've got this whole, f- they got all of his pre set up factory stuff. But basically, he's mad and he's there because his family stopped talking to him. And then they up and moved, and all the return address stuff was coming to this town. But there's nobody in the town anymore. Nope. Except S- for the clerk. The clerk at the post, and the post office. office. Which-, which is also a convenience store. There was no post office anything in that store. There was. There were there were little boxes right behind him, and it said U.S. Postal Service. Oh, okay. So behind the counter, he had P.O. boxes. Yes. But the rest of it was a flipping convenience store. Correct. I didn't realize it was the post office because they only showed the post office for a, like a second, and if you blink, you miss the sign that says it's the post office. No, that I did see. So it's amazingly dark. Suddenly, they, like remember, they were there, and it was daytime. They oh, walked inside. They walk inside, and it's daytime, and later when they walk out, it's like... It, Midnight. It's midnight, and they've been in there for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So they're talking to the post office guy. Now, one, they're asking him about things. You look over on the side, and there's several containers of the stuff that are empty there. So he's obviously eating it. And he does say to them, as they're asking, he goes, why don't you just go away and leave us alone? We're not bothering anybody. And he's like, who's we? Yeah, that's what I thought was who's we, because this is the only person we've seen. But you start to get this. All the people who are eating the stuff are referring to themselves as we. So it leads me to believe that the stuff 
in all these different people is like a hive mind or something. Like we don't know because they don't explain it. Correct. Um, then the guy says, "This is not the collective." He says to excuse him. The guy who's working asks them to excuse him, and he goes into the back room. And while he's in the back room, the two of them are talking like, "We got to get out of this town. Something weird is going on here." So now, Chocolate Chip Charlie and Mo have teamed up because Chocolate Chip Charlie apparently is a martial after, arts expert. After attacking each other, well, yeah, because once but now they they're the best who of friends. Were, yeah. Like six minutes later, well, because they weren't actually enemies. They each they each one thought the other one was working with the people from the stuff. Yes, but keep in mind it's been like six, six minutes. minutes. Yeah. So now they're working together. The guy goes into the back, and you hear this weird noise that sounds like he's got—he's having gastrointestinal distress. And they're like, "We need to find out what's going on back there." Meanwhile, it cuts to if back anybody there. was having gastrointestinal distress and you just left the, met them and they had gone to the back room, would you go back there to investigate? Uh, no. no. But the guy's acting weird. You hear this noise, and then it cuts to the guy is laying on the ground. His mouth stretches open inhumanly wide, and stuff starts coming out of it. The stuff. The stuff. Okay. Then it cuts to a weird shot of the of lots of the stuff, like lots of it, like way more than a, a human sized body's worth, going across the floor, up the floor, up the wall, and out the window, leaving the body like distorted and sort of a bit hollow. And they walk back. So Chocolate Chip Charlie uses his kung fu because he is a martial artist. He tells us many times his hands are registered with the with the government. Yes, he, yes, he does. He punches a hole in the door, opens the door. They go back, and the guy is hollow. And they're like, we got to get out of here. They go out the window to go see what happened. And what? <laughs> this is, they go out the window, and they get attacked by townsfolk. And suddenly it's like a weird John Carpenter film because there's a bright light behind them, all these shadowy figures running towards them. But they're but they're not real fast. There's some zombie like qualities to these town folk. Well, and they're just some big, heavy set bumpkins who are coming towards them with like shovels. Mm-hmm. Um, they're running instead of getting in their cars. For some reason, they get in a boat. There's a boat there by the river, so they get this boat. Uh, when they do get close to the guys, Chocolate Chip Charlie karate chops one guy in the head. He falls down and starts sp- and, and stuff starts spraying out of his head. Yes. Michael Moriarty punches a guy, and the whole front part of his face just falls off. Like it cracks off, like almost like it was exposed to, like, you know, dry ice or something. It yeah. just shatters. And then apparently it it's hollow on the inside. Well, yeah, where is all that stuff going to go? And then they jump out and they go. And then this is the, my favorite scene, part of this scene. It cuts back to the guy in the back room. And you see him, and he looks normal, and there's a bunch of stuff going into his mouth, and he he looks up and wipes his mouth off, and the stuff's back in him, and he gets up like nothing happened. But he looked dead, like em- like so. Is the stuff? Does it absorb everything in you? Is it anim- like this? Does it have to come out and go back in? I don't know. It's but it's animating his body, and he looks perfectly fine, even though before he was obviously dead and distended and twisted and weird looking. So. What is the stuff? What is it duty? And nobody, this is the thing that nobody explains through this whole movie. It's crazy. Yes. Um, so let, before we go, oh, they get to the diner. So before they split up, um, because th- there's a weird split up here, uh, let's do this last part and then take a break. Okay. Because they go to that diner, which seems to be, uh, they took a boat down the river and then <laughs> a diner? Well, you know, 
where we live, there's restaurants and stuff right on the water, and you can take your boat there. Sure, 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 sure. Morgan was bouncing at the river at the river uh, uh, well, a bar, a lake bar. That's right. Yeah. So they go in there and they sit down, and people ask what they want. And Chocolate Chip Charlie asks if she has any fresh cookies. Like, is he trying to see if they sell his stuff? He knows that they sold the company, so I don't know what he's trying to do. Mo asks if anyone has the stuff, and everyone in that place looks at him like he's weird. Mm-hmm. And the lady says that they're out of it, and they wish they could get it, but they're just out of it. It's hard to get, which seems weird because everybody it, else... counterintuitive to everything else that we've seen. Mm-hmm. That's when he turns around and quietly tells Chocolate Chip Charlie he's got to go to the FBI and go see... And he actually <laughs> says... It's, this was funny. And he goes to see Frank Herbert at the FBI. And Frank Herbert is the author of, of Dune. Dune. So, <laughs> um, so he tells her to go, and then so they're going to have to split up because they know they're being, they're looking for the two of them together. So if they split up, they might not notice them. So Chocolate Chip Charlie's going to go there. He like hitches a ride with some guy. Anybody going up to this town? I need a ride. And the guy's like, sure, I'm going. They both leave, and it cuts to the waitress. Like, why would you ever get into a car with somebody if you don't know if they've had the stuff or not, knowing what the stuff has done to these people? Oh, and did you notice the name that they call people who eat the stuff in this? What was that? Stuffies. Oh. They were calling them, the second half of the movie, they kept calling them stuffies if you were addicted to the stuff, which I'm just like, that's such a weird and seemingly wrong term. Correct. But, uh... They leave the diner, and then the waitress goes into the back, opens up the walk-in freezer. Filled with the stuff, which apparently can be stored at room temperature, fridge temperature, or deep freeze. And they've got the small containers, five-gallon tubs, cases, boxes. Why wouldn't they give it to him? Like, if the whole point is to get everybody eat, like... Like, do they have some sort of, like, spidey sense regarding who's been eating this stuff and who hasn't? Like, like imposter syndrome co- kicks in? I don't know. It, it, the, I don't know. The movie's, this movie's insane. And it's just, and like I said, now we're about maybe 30 minutes, 35, and the movie's only 85 minutes, 86 minutes long. It's not, it's just under 90. It's not long. And all we've gotten is info dumps about who's making it, and why we can't find out what's in it. But no explanation as to, like, and I know it's supposedly a mystery. Like you said, we're following Mo. I'm waiting for the mystery to get solved. I know it comes from, they, they dug it up. I, I don't, it's, it's, it's just weird. It's just weird. So listen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to pick up at the next part where he goes to see one of the guys who are the people who sell it and promote it and they're the, the distrib- distributing it. There's always something happening at Crocknards. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge 
pre-owned section. And you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols. And if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because if the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? No why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. Andre's exclusive continental restaurant, which caters to only the most discriminating clientele. How's the food, sweetheart? Ah. That's nice. Where's the stuff? The stuff is here now. Great new day sensation. Lion free now. Get you elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. The stuff. The taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff, taste that delivers. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. Okay, we're back. Now, uh, quick recap. Stuff comes out of the ground. Someone eats it off the dirt, <laughs> decides to sell it. Sometime later, it's a fad. It's a thing. Everybody's eating it. One kid has seen it move. And a corporate spy who's trying to find out who makes it is starting to realize there is something nefarious going on with the stuff. Um, so now after uh, they split up after the diner, it cuts to like New York and Mo is walking down the street. And you see this huge building, you know, out there that apparently he's walking toward. And outside of the building, there is... A, it looks like a like a hot dog vendor's cart, except it's or an ice cream cart, and they're selling the, the stuff, stuff because it's everywhere, and people are coming up and just buying little pint sized containers of the stuff. The lady sees Mo coming, reaches into the freezer, pulls out this big ass walkie talkie. He's walking. He's crossing the street now, and as she says that, a ice cream truck, like the kind you see, except without the music playing. But a stuff truck comes barreling around the corner and almost runs him over. He dives out of the way. The truck keeps going. He stands up, looks around, polishes himself off. Not one person near him seems to have noticed this is happening. It's because they're all in the stuff. They're all stuffies. Um, so he looks around like, oh, that's weird. Next thing you know, he's in the office with the distributor. And the distributor's talking to him. And this is another one of those things where he's asking a lot of questions and they're not really giving him answers. Uh, the distributor says that the people who brought it to him to test market it were already addicted. He doesn't eat it. His doctor told him he, doesn't, he, he shouldn't. But these people who brought it to him, they wanted to get it out. They were already addicted to it. So that's a weird thing to say. Um, and then he says how... Something about there's uh, a mining company in Midland, Georgia that they bought. They bought out the mining company, and they're converting the mining factory 
into a stuff factory. Now, we already saw in the very first shot of the film, there was a guy in a mining factory. Does it get snowy in Georgia? Um, generally, no. But somebody at some point in the movie says, do you think we only have one factory? Okay. So it makes me believe that the stuff is everywhere, just under the crust of the earth. Maybe, but we've never found it? That seems weird. Also, I know they have other factories because they bought Chocolate Chip Charlie's factory. Right. But this is a this is Which a means mining, there's stuff somewhere. There's a mining company. Like it, 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 That makes sense, though, if it's under the ground. Right. You they're need mining. to mine it to get it out. Because when he goes to Georgia, uh, spoiler alert, there's a pool of it that they're just... And it's not that hard to find. It's a lake it's of It's like a stuff. lake in a quarry. Yeah, and they're just sticking hoses in it and sucking it into tra- uh, trucks. It's... This is where my continuity error comes in. I saw this the first time, and I confirmed it on the second one. All the license plates down in Georgia are New York plates. Even are you though, serious? Yeah, watch it. Well, uh, were were they the plates on the just on the trucks? Because the trucks could have been nope. Oh my god, that's nope. That's continuity, funny. damn it. Now, then you get another one of these weird things where he's talking to him and asking him all these questions about the stuff, and the guy looks at him and goes, "Let it go, Mister Rutherford. You can't stop it." Can't stop what? What is the end? Like, what is happening? The stuff is happening. Uh, it cuts to him and the director lady. And she's very upset. Okay. She's uh, the head of marketing. Because she's the head of the marketing. And now she feels bad because he now she know, he's filled her in, apparently, on what the stuff is doing or and something. And I'm assuming she hadn't been eating it either. No. Uh, but now she's in on it. They're going to stop them. And she feels guilty. She has to. She she wants to help him. She has to help him because they. She, she feels responsible. She her commercials promoted the the stuff so well that and of course, but did it really? Because as soon as you eat it, apparently you get kind of addicted. So it was like, yeah, but you have to start someplace, right? But were they that good? Like anybody could have directed those commercials. You could have had no. a, you could have had an Eagle Man commercial. Uh. The Eagle Man commercials can be funny, but not everybody has Eagle Man insurance. That's Think true. Think of it that way. That's true. Coke is the number one soft drink in the world. They still spend a ton on advertising. That is true. Um, so they have to go to the factory. They decide they got to go down to to Midland, Georgia, to the factory. But first... Also the home of Coke. Oh, is it? Interesting. Well, Georgia oh, that's is. that's right, Georgia. Um, then the scientist, who still can't figure out what's in it. You know he's a scientist because he's got those little... The, the the chemical compound models and the chemical compound things drawn on a board. Molecules? Yeah. What, yeah. Okay. He's and he had a white coat on, I think, too. And he had a white coat on. Otherwise, he I think he was in just like a high school biology lab. Um, but he does stop and he says to Mo, have you seen this? And the cover of the newspaper uh, is about that kid, Jason, who tore up the grocery store and says the stuff is dangerous. And uh, so... Moe's like, I got to go talk to that kid. Because, you know, apparently nobody but them knows what's going on. Yeah, go get the 12-year-old. So it cuts back to that kid's house. The kid is upstairs, and he's sitting there bouncing a ball, and he says he's grounded. And you hear this news report going on. And I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. But as I'm watching it and just paying attention, the kid's bouncing the ball. I was sitting down here watching it the other night. And I hear this news report. And they're talking about there's a a rash of disappearances being reported. People disappear. Entire families are disappearing and being reported missing. And this is the amount of missing families 
around the country is reaching epidemic proportions. And so I'm like, once they have enough stuff, are they all going to Georgia to work? To get more... Because why are... Once again, weird stuff you're being told that doesn't seem to connect... At all. Anything. Right. And it's, like I said, this... I just I love this movie. It's so funny and campy. So now he goes downstairs and the family's all sitting there waiting for him. And they're looking at him. And he goes into the fridge. And he looks down and their garbage can is full of food. And he opens the fridge... And it's full of the stuff. And that's all that's in there is the stuff. The ha- Now, the family, where the, the, the everything the dad said, the older brother was mimicking. The mom looked quite hairy. The dad was yelling at the mom, yelling at the kids. Now they're all there, and they're all sitting together. The boy's playing a video game. The dad's talking and smiling at him. They're all getting along. And they look at him, and they're like, you know what? Why don't you eat? He's like, I don't like that. And they said, take this. And they give him a container of the stuff. And they say, go take this to your room. And don't come down until you've eaten it. And so they send him to his room. And so the kid goes upstairs, dumps it all in the toilet, where it's this weird reverse effect of the stuff trying to get out of the toilet. Doesn't want to be flushed. He flushes it and fills it with shaving cream and comes downstairs. And his brother's like, you shouldn't be down here until it's done. He's like, oh, no, you know what? You're right. I tried it, and I like it. And he's taking little scoops and eating the shaving cream. Correct. And the parents are like, okay, good. And they're like, you want some more? And they bring out this giant-ass trivet full of stuff. It's got to be like a It's on the middle of the table like you're serving it up for dinner. And that's the only thing there. Yep. And that's the only thing they're eating. And the one kid's like, oh, I have lots of energy now. I'm not tired. Of course you have more energy. We're not tired. We feel much better now that we're eating the right way. And they're all smiling. And the kid comes down and says he's eating it. And, it's, and they go, why don't you have some of this? He goes, well, I'll just, I'll finish this. And then I'll have more. I'm certain I'll want more, but let me finish this first. But he's eating it. And he keeps eating it. And uh, he puts it down and runs. And then the dad picks it up, puts his fingers in it, tastes it. And he's like, get him. And the kid runs out of the house. Now, I don't know why he waited till then but he runs out of the house they chase him out of the house it's pitch black middle of the night they're chasing him it's like now it's like almost horror movie type thing and as the kid's running down the street mo pulls up in a car dun, 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 dun. he's like get in and the kid's like who are you he goes i saw it move too get in the car and the kid gets in the car and then pukes in the car because he's been eating shaving cream you know back in the 80s we were way more trusting of people <laughs> Get in the car. I okay. saw it move too. Of course, he did say, I saw it move too, which meant not only did he know that the stuff moved, but he knew the kids saw it. Of course, it was in the paper. But they take off and they get on the plane to Georgia. Now, I love this. They get to Georgia and they've set up an interview. She's because she's this marketing director, right? So she's going there and she's going to help. And she them. has access. And she has access because she is the marketing director. And she's telling them she wants to do some commercials in this place and wants more information so she could do better commercials. But I think the line that cracked me up that is so, uh, this is so 40 years ago. I hope you don't mind. I brought my male secretary along with me. She had to point out who he was and that he was a male secretary. Because if she just said secretary, that would be weird because he didn't have a lot of male secretaries in the 80s, I guess. I brought my male secretary with me. Um, now, they got off the plane, and he tells the, the kid to stay on the plane. He tells the pilot if anything funny happens to leave. And they're in the limo going to the factory. Um, and then you see some guys in yellow jumpsuits, like all the guys who work at the factory, walking up to the plane. He looks in the window of the plane, and like it's got, like, the little, it's got a window open. 
like a little side window on a plane, like you can open up like on the door, like a door on your car. <laughs> he throws some stuff in there and it jumps on the pilot's face, and the pilot starts gagging. And the kid looks up, and you just see stuff start pouring into the into the into the cabin of the plane. Was the where were the? I don't remember. Were the were the stairs up? The stairs were up. I I've. I've flown on private planes before. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a window open on a private plane. And by private plane, I mean like corporate jet kind of private plane, not like propeller. Some sort of window open, yeah. Like the kind of plane that's in the movie. That's Uh what I've never... Because it was all in the cockpit. It was coming from the cockpit of the cabin. Then the kid ran to the back, and apparently there was a secret hatch in the back that popped open that wasn't the stairs that he got out of and ran into the forest. And then he was running away. Now, by the way, when you get to the factory, they pull up to the factory. And it's got a big fence, no admittance, blah, blah, blah. They had to check him out. They let him in, all high security. But as you pull in, it's just, it's like big silos. And, and all the, it's a quarry. It looks like a quarry. And there's these big silos. He's like, oh, I bet that's all full of the stuff, huh? And it's just, it's, it doesn't look like a place that, you, that would ever pass a health inspection for food. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So the kid gets away. They're taking a factory tour. The kid somehow just breaks in. I know. He just shows up in there and, like, managed to get to the factory. I was like, uh. Found his way to the factory that they drove them there with the limo from the from the little airport. Right. He finds his way through the forest, gets in, and f- apparently finds a way in where there's no security. And as he's walking around, he sees all these empty tankers. And he, uh, now there's all these workers in the orange or the yellow jumpsuits walking around. So he climbs up the side of the tanker, sees the top is open, and jumps in to hide inside the tanker part of a tanker. Because that seems like a good idea. And so they close it, you know. And, of course, then they're going to fill it with stuff. You know they're going to fill it with stuff, this kid's in the tanker. But they're going to move the tanker. They're driving the tankers away to wherever the tankers have to go. To the stuff pool. And you get another weird announcement. All these background things. All personnel are restricted to the factory grounds until morning. They're saying when they're going out to get stuff, but all factories are restricted till morning. It's like, wait, you can't leave at night? Like, what is... What? Okay, so the way I interpreted that was that, that they don't there's only a select group of people to that know where the stuff is actually harvested from. Oh, maybe. and then they keep them in there and you've got these tanker drivers are the, really the only ones that kind of know what's going on in the know. Cause you wouldn't want these people who are always addicted, who are addicted to it to know where the source is. Cause so they'd go out there and they'd be swimming in it. So that's what I thought it was, was once when they go on a collection run, Okay, makes everybody sense. has to stay in because everybody else in the factory is working in the factory doing all the filling in the in the packaging and, and all that kind of good stuff. Right. Um, so that's how I thought it that's how I interpreted it was was to minimize who knows what. I didn't think about that. That makes total sense. Uh, meanwhile, they tell them, look, we really can't do too much because they want to they want to know and see where it's actually made. And they're like, we can't let you in there. We can only show you where it's packaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, we're going to give you a more of a tour tomorrow, but you have to, we booked you a place at the local mo- motel tonight, and you're going to have to go stay there tonight, and then tomorrow we'll have breakfast and take you on the tour. Did this not totally give you Halloween 3 vibes? Absolutely. That's the first thing I thought of was like, this is just like Halloween 3. Yep. And then, so they go to the motel, and it, he, they're trying to keep up this appearance that they're not a couple. 
that they're working together. Cause well, because they've known each other like 24 hours. Well, I think a little longer. It's a I couple doesn't of days feel ago. like that. Maybe. I, well, we don't know how much time has passed because they don't explain that ever in the movie. No, because I think in the stuff world, time just the, the space-time continuum is all messed up. They do. They're holding hands and they kiss at some point. And apparently there was a couple of scenes cut out at that hotel when she suggests that they go back and get room service. Um. But so, like, he even makes a point of saying, I'm glad you got us adjoining rooms because, you know, she's always trying to dictate stuff for me to take down, me being her male secretary. Like, it's just, like, the weirdest cover. But you go in, and they're in the room together. They're in this motel room. And they're hanging out, and they're watching TV, and they fall asleep. And as they fall asleep... Oh, by the way, this is where you get to see the commercial for the stuff that they're at a fancy restaurant... And all these people are eating fancy foods. And there's Abe Vigoda, TV's fish. Also, not Clemenza, but the other guy from The Godfather. Like, this is another, a guy in The Godfather. He's at the commercial. They're eating this fancy, fancy food. And he looks at his wife and goes, don't you like it? What's the matter? And you cut, and it's the, where's the beef lady? Where's the stuff? And it's like, the stuff. It's like, oh, my God. I, I groaned. I, like, actually groaned. When you I did, was watching You did. It. You texted me like, Abe Vigoda and the lady for the Where's the Beef Lady? I'm like, yep. Yeah. So bad. So then they're falling asleep and the pillow rips open and stuff starts coming out of it. So they planted stuff-filled pillows. Stuff-filled stuffing pillows. Which means their cover is blown at yes. this point. Um, The stuff gets on... Michael Moriarty it gets on Moe's face, and it's so obviously just a bunch of liquid latex because it's not moving. Yes, it is liquid latex. It, it, it's okay. It's done. latex. Yeah. Well, you, the thing is, he every, he's holding his neck as he's tr- acting like he's flailing around with it like he's trying to pull it off. But he has to keep his hands on his neck because every time he pulls his hands away, you can see it flopping off of his this neck. This is a la Bella Lugosi. <laughs> and Ed Wood. And Ed Wood. Just grab its arms and flail around like he's trying to kill you. <laughs> totally. But then what does she do? First of all, it's the 80s. This hotel room has those weird lamps that my parents had with the kerosene in them. Okay, you you're, you keep using the word hotel. This is a motel. Oh, sorry, motel. Let's be very clear. This is a very 80s American roadside motel. But the, the, the ones that we call the no-tell motels. Yeah, those are the motels where you're either going off to have an affair or you're going off and someone's going to find you and murder you. Yes. Which in this case, it's the murder. Yes, this is the murder hotel. Um, <laughs> but they have those little weird kerosene lamps like your parents and grandparents used to have. Like the little round bottom ones and you could light it and it looks like a fancy lamp. It's a little late for 1985 to have those, but that's okay. And I do remember like, those. And then she tells him, don't worry, I'll burn it. And she takes the top off and pours the kerosene on the stuff on his face. And lights it on fire. So what your first... So this, let, let, let's discuss this for a second. Um, my first inclination would probably be to try to throw water on something and not necessarily kerosene and light it up. That's not my That's not my first go-to. That's not my go-to. I don't. Know, I would try water first. I don't know what works on the stuff. I don't think... I don't necessarily or a know blanket water and kind of smash it. Yeah, but how do you know kerosene's going to work either? I don't know. It's smothering him, and she decides she's going to light it on fire. And, and, and my thought would be, oh, you know what? That's fire. That could actually burn somebody and hurt them worse. <laughs> you mean like the guy whose face it's on? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying kerosene and, and a match is not my go-to. That's not what I'm doing first. That might be number three on the list. Now, if this isn't weird enough for you, the scene gets more insane. 
it starts on fire and then it detaches from his face. So he throws it to the side. Now the bedroom is starting on fire. More stuff is coming out of the bed. I mean, like more stuff than could have been in the bed. Meanwhile, some dude runs in the room seemingly from the bathroom and tries to kill them. So I don't know about anybody else out there, but I, tr- I used to travel extensively for work. And the first thing I would do when I checked into my hotel, not the motel, but the hotel, was put my bag down, grab my toiletries, and put it in the bathroom. I actually made sure that there was nobody else in the room. Not that I would be able to do anything if there was somebody there, but I did check out the room. So I'm a little concerned. And they- in the no-tell motel that nobody's checking out the other, the other room. There's only one other room. It's the toilet. Yeah, I mean, and he did say they had adjoining rooms. Maybe he ran in from the other room, but then did he go in there looking for them first? I don't know what's happening. All I know is there's there's metric tons of the stuff in this room now. Yes. And the guy goes to kill them, and they knock him off of Mo and knock him against the wall, and suddenly the stuff shoots out of the bed straight across and hits the wall and knocks him up the wall and starts going up the wall, and he's like, oh, help me, it's killing me. And it's like... Why is it killing him? What, what is what is happening? I have that in my notes. It just says what is happening. Well, let's let's let everybody in on the fun fact on that room. If you've seen Nightmare Before Elm Street, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Sorry, not I was mixing that David's, with Nightmare Before. David's Christmas. got a mashup. Yeah, if you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street, the scene where Tina gets murdered by Freddy, and she hits the walls and goes up the walls and up the ceiling. They actually made a set, a room that was on a big handle and a winch and they could literally turn the room sideways and upside down. So that way when she was falling, it looks like she's falling up the wall and onto the ceiling. They used that exact same set, that room. Like they had finished, like Nightmare on Elm Street was filmed around this time. They still had Well, Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984 so it was filmed at least a year ahead of time. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, but they still had that. So or they, it was released in 1984. They, it's obviously very redone for this set. It looks very different. But they That's used the, the same repurposing set. of Hollywood. Yep. They used the same set to do this, so they could flip the room around and make it look like the stuff was flying up at the ceiling to get this guy. Why was it killing this guy? Why did it stop attacking them and go after the guy who was trying to help it get them? I don't know. I guess the, in this did case, I? stuff did not recognize stuff, I guess. Oh, God. No, made Too no hard. sense. Well, because you probably didn't want to do that to your main characters, I guess. Well, right. Um, so then they run out of the room. The room is bur- The mo- motel is starting to burn because that whole room is on fire. Because apparently Which stuff is funny because, is- you know, it's 1985 and it's old stuff in there. I would expect it all to melt before it actually caught on fire. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> That room, that room was decorated, really. all made out of asbestos. I thought it would have been cool. God, I just. Ugh. Um, but so they run out and they steal the guy's truck, or they assume it's the guy who tried to kill them's truck, because he's the only other person there, and there's this truck. I don't, well, again, because it's the Notel Motel. And they jump in the truck, and he's like, "We're we got to go back to that quarry and find out what's going on." And as they're driving, he makes a comment about how so this stuff. Uh, get you addicted to it. Uh, some people are more susceptible to it than others. They get addicted faster. Like, uh, okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to use uh, addiction theory on that and say that some people do have uh, 
personalities and, and traits that will cause them to happen. So maybe to overeat? I don't know. I wouldn't know anything about that. Not at all. So um, they get there and there's a lake of stuff. And it's doing this weird bubbling where you could tell, first of it all. It is moving. It is moving, but it's moving in a very rhythmic set pattern in set spots where you could tell this is all just fake. Plus, there was a whole lot of this superimposed fake camera shots where they were like laying them in over like there's stuff on the bottom half of the screen supposed to be moving and they're on the top half and you could tell these two things were just superimposed but there's a whole lake of the stuff mo starts pulling out plastic explosives and taping these little plastic explosives to his cowboy boots Mm-hmm. And oh, he did grab uh, that. That guy was obviously from the factory because he had a. There was a yellow jumpsuit there that Mo grabbed as he ran out. His yellow jumpsuit because the lady actually comments. He's like, she's like, how are you going to get close? They'll catch you. He's like, not wearing this. And she's like, oh, that's why you grabbed that instead of my purse. Thanks a lot. It's like, wait, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But so he's got that, and he's strapping plastic explosives to his legs, and he goes around and just basically lays the bombs all around the edge of the quarry. And um, as they're about to get, like, the guy, hey, you're not supposed to be here. And they go to grab the lady. Mo saves her, sets off the bomb. So the quarry, all like it, all the stuff explodes and, and, and lands and covers up the lake of stuff. As if they couldn't just, I mean. Th- Somehow I think the, the, the stuff would find a w- Find a way to survive, right? It would just bubble the right back there. Stuff finds a way. Yeah, it would yeah. just come right up to the top again. Like I know. I, not to go Jurassic Park. Life yeah. finds a way. Yeah. Um, so then, okay, so then they jump in one of the trucks and they steal the truck. Now, luckily, as he's running by and finds the truck. Um, with the he, New York plates. He's going by the truck in Georgia with the New York plates, and he hears Jason screaming inside the tanker that the stuff is in. He goes, Jason, and he's like, help, Mo." Jason, I'm going to get you out of there. He opens up the top, and before the stuff, because the stuff is like slowly moving towards him. Like it, it, this is this this the, okay. The stuff wants to get this kid, but it moves slower than the mummy. Okay, like it's just crawling towards him. Oh, moving at the speed of plot here. It's just never going to get to him. Mo goes and pulls the kid out of the tanker, closes the tanker. They've got a tanker with stuff in it, so they could take it and prove that it's alive. Uh- harmful and then they jump in the truck and they take off and as they're driving down the road like the hose is still dangling from the back that they were filling it with yep a cop sees it and goes to pull him over and as they jump out they can see that the hose is in the back he's got mo up against the truck the kid and the lady come out and the kid sees the stuff over there and he goes officer i'm really hungry he goes, their stuff is leaking out the back. He goes, I, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten. You know how it is. If, and he goes, I'm just going to go over there and have some of the stuff. I'm not going to do anything. And the cop's looking at him. The kid just walks past. The lady looks at him. She goes, I'm so hungry too, officer. You know how it is if you haven't had any stuff in a couple hours. You have to have some. And the cop's just staring at her. So she goes over there and she says to the kid, pretend like you're eating. And they're acting like they're eating it off the asphalt. And they're like, officer. So nasty. So gross. And they're like, officer, you know you want some. Come have some. And the cop drops his gun and goes over there and starts eating it off the asphalt. And then they knock him out, and then they take off with the truck again. It's just the weirdest, like, ah. Uh. So this now we get to my favorite part of the movie, Act 3. They've escaped the factory. They're driving. She asks where he's going to go. You can't go anywhere because too many people. You can't go to a small town 
because any small towns near there, they've probably taken over, and they're all stuffies. He knows where to go, and he pulls up in the middle of this fields and forests, and there's a freaking castle. It's a castle. There is a castle there. And he pulls up, and all these army guys, he gets out of the truck and starts walking forward, and out of the fields, all these army guys jump up. And he walks up to one and goes, I want to see Colonel Spears. And he takes him up there, and he's like, Colonel Spears, I was the guy that was hired to get the photographs of you and that 17-year-old girl. Uh, and that, and I'm the guy who sent it to the people, and I'm really sorry. And Paul Sorvino's like, I should just throw you off this tower. Why shouldn't I? And he's like, because you and I have a job to do. And he basically tells Paul Sorvino, and this is just straight out of Dr. Strangelove. He's like, he starts telling him how he knows Paul Sorvino knows that the communists tried to put fluoride in the water to get us. He goes, they're here, they're closer than you think, and they're doing it now. And he starts telling Paul Sorvino, Who's getting? He's like, that sounds like the speech I gave last Thanksgiving. And he's telling him how the communists basically, he tells him it's the communists. <laughs> and how they're right next to him in town. Well, we don't know that they're not. <laughs> so it's not a lie. But here he is winding up Paul Sorvino that the com- and he goes, they're right here. He goes, they're, they're in the next town. He's like, they're right here next to me. They're doing it here. These people, these, uh, and he's so mad. And then they cut to the place, and the kid's like, are you part of the army? And the guy looks at him and goes, we're the only real army, son. Because apparently he, these are Paul Servino and his true believers who aren't going to be part of this, all of this stuff going on in America. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's some weird offshoot survivalist branch of the government. Um. Is it though? Like the actual government? Maybe I don't they were know. like a weird separatist. Like they, maybe they were separatists. No offense to people who live in Montana, but I'm going to go with the stereotype of a compound. Yeah. A, com- a compound of, of of weird. Well, they all were dressed like they were military, and they all were in the military. At yeah, some but time. they do. But, but now they're but not. But that's okay. again, I'm going to with the stereotype. That's what they do. Right, but these guys were actually in the military at some point. Now so they're not. A lot of those a people were too. Uh, I guess you're right. But he's absolutely insane, okay? So they get to the truck, and he shows them what's in the truck, and the battle for the factory is about to begin. The truck pulls up in front of the, the stuff place, and they're like, hey, there's our missing truck. And the military dude who said they're the only real army, he's in civilian clothes, and he's like, hey, man, I found the truck abandoned. I knew it came from here. I brought it back. How about a reward? And he's like, sure, no problem. And he opens the gate. He's driving in. He goes, not until I get the, we talk about my reward. And he goes, your reward. And the guy at the gate pulls a gun and shoots this guy in the face. And then the next thing you know, all the army guys come running from around the corner because nobody saw them coming. Right. Paul Servino comes in. They shoot that guy. They go running in. And they are going to take over the factory. As that's happening, the weirdest part happens. Alarms start going off. They tell him that the mili- they say the military has, infil- has, has taken has taking over the factory. And it says... Do not resist them. Follow the preordained course of action. And everybody runs. Well, sure, because these people always have a plan for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Paul Zervino shoots. Th- when they shoot that one guy, the first guy at the gate, he falls down and stuff starts spraying out of him instead of blood. And Paul Zervino goes, man, I really do love the sight of blood. But this is just disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
So they go into the factory, and they're not here. All these commies, they all ran away, and he keeps calling them commies. And you look, and he's like, look at the butt. They must have taken cyanide well, pills. It is 1985 as well, so uh-huh. commies are the way to go. Oh, that's true. I it's, saw Red Dawn. Hello. Yep, that's right. It was the height of the Cold War, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You've got to pick the commies. So <laughs> you look, and he says, they must have all taken cyanide pills. The bodies are warm. But you look, and it's obvious that the stuff has evacuated these people. Why? Because it's, I don't know. And then as they're looking around at the bodies, one of the walls blows open and tons of stuff starts pouring out. And then they, they're outside and it's breaking down the walls of the factory, pours out onto the grounds, gets about halfway towards them and just stops. Like, is it dead? Can, it, it, what's happening? It's chasing the lady and the little boy through the factory. They get out. I mean, it's just... Once it gets outside, it just stops. And so they're talking to Paul Servino, like, we have to warn America. And Paul Servino looks at us, I own two radio stations in Atlanta. Let's go warn the public. Yep. And they jump on that plane, and they get on. Because, again, weird separatists are going to have some sort of access to get their word out when the apocalypse starts to happen. Dude, it makes perfect sense. I got this. (laughs) So they I got get in the planes. They land the planes at the airport. All the army guys jump out. There's a couple of cabs at this little rural airport. It's not like a major airport. It's a little rural airport. There's a bunch of cabbies out there. The one cabbie looks at him, and this black guy goes, What is this supposed to be, World War Three? And he walks up, and he goes, You just get us to 4th and Main, and no more of your liberal, uh, uh, what does he say? No more of, of your liberal... Um, I, I wrote it. I, I was tired. I wrote it down. But no more of your liberal diatribe or something like that. I can't. Hold on. Let me see if I can read David's oh, you writing. Won't be able to. No more of your liberal something or other. It, it, no more of your liberal talk. It, I, I don't know. Oh, that's bad. And I can read doctor's writing. No, I was scribbling. It was late. I was tired. Uh, but b- basically, that's it. Just no more of, you know, like, it's just so funny. This is like this weird military guy. He doesn't want to hear anything. So suddenly. All the military guys with their M16s are in taxis. Like 15, there's like a convoy of taxis, 10 or 15 of them, pull up to the middle of this street. Well, this how town. else are they supposed to get there? <laughs> there's no Uber. There's no, they don't have a truck. They, they can't do like so Uber the, XL. Come so on. All these cabs pull up and and all these guys in fatigues and guns come jumping up. Everybody who's on the street screams and runs away. And what, then, what would you do? <laughs> they're like, the army would scream and run away. The army just showed up by a taxi. Oh, and then Paul Sorvino gets another beautiful line. All the guys gather on him. He goes, okay, men. And he looks at him and goes, everybody, pay the cabbies. 10% tip. Make sure you get a cash receipt. <laughs> I just, <laughs> Which I appreciate the humor in it, but weird separatists are not paying taxes. They don't need the receipt to deduct it as a work well, expense. Well, I mean, I'm thinking he does because he owns he owns the the radio station. So there must be some stuff where he, he so he's going to bill it through the radio station. I'm guessing because they had to okay. get there. They're going to use it. So the taxi armada comes. They're in there, and now they're going to they're writing the, the the producer lady who writes the commercials is writing the warning for the, the stuff. Marketing director. The marketing Would you director. Give her that's her it. Title? Sorry, marketing director. Chocolate Chip Charlie shows up, 
Because like, he's been gone for a long time. I almost forgot about him until he showed up again. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Because he went and, and... I need a cookie. And Mo says to him, I didn't hear anything from the FBI. He's like, they didn't want to listen to me, but I'm here. He's like, how'd you know you're here? He's like, well, I was following whatever. Paul Serfino walks in and you get one of the more racist moments of the thing. Yeah, you probably don't need to talk about that. He just basically says that he doesn't want to let Garrett Morris talk on the air about what happened, basically because he's black. Yeah. And he basically tells him, "You okay, I'll allow you to be on the air, but if you spout any liberal nonsense, I will shoot you myself. Like, it's really weird. Um, so the marketing director takes Chocolate Chip Charlie into one of the recording rooms so they could talk about what's going on. He tells her that he's seen some really crazy stuff and the stuff. And she's like, how do you know it does this? And then he grabs her by the arm. And he starts to change, and he starts to expand, and then the top of his head basically rips off. There's so much stuff coming out of it. Yeah, him. when did Chocolate Chip Charlie go to the other side? Well, I, I was so sad. I was like, oh. I'm assuming while he was gone, they caught him, and they force-fed him the stuff. I think they put, like, a tube in him and just Well, I'm just, once it. you eat some of it, you get addicted. So they just had to get some of it in him, you know? Uh, so he's a stuffy. He And then you get the weird, it's just this bad special effects overlay um, they break the window. He shoots some of the wires, the cables to run the station, takes that and hits him with both parts with the electric cables, which then starts the stuff on fire. And he saves the girl and the boy and they put the fire out in the place and then they send the message. Now they're getting into the cables in the minute, and then you get the weirdest cut. Now, uh, I'm, this is going to wrap up and we're going to wrap this up and then wrap up the show. So let's take one more break real quick and get to the wrap-up of the film, because this is just such a weird way to wrap up this movie. I don't know what was going on, but we'll be back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paints? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We're back. The message has been sent. 
the stuff has been exposed. And this is, okay, here's the weirdest thing. You hear them getting ready to record the message. You hear them, like, you see them in the in the uh, radio. The recording booth? The recording booth at the radio station. And they just they just stopped Chocolate Chip Charlie's stuff from killing them. Um, and they're and they're about to record, and then it cuts, and there's the lady looking right at you, and she's like, and this, and it, they were exposed, and over the weeks to follow, uh, and it basically just ra- like it's it's a weird. She's looking right at you and telling you what happens. It does cut away, and you see it was a bit of a documentary, but you see yeah. But people- all of a sudden, it felt like very disjointed. I was like, wait, what? Huh? Did yeah. Some- I I wonder if something hit the editing floor on that one to kind of bridge the two because all of a sudden it, it just changed tone and you're like what's going on it jumped weeks ahead mm-hmm. they said that they the all the stuff like you actually see a, a the stuff store next to a mcdonald's and it blows up and you see like those those pictures of when the kids were burning the beatles records except it's the stuff that these people are around these piles of the stuff burning it which you would think the stuff would then try to escape because when they tried to burn it before it tried to escape yeah and, now and, it's you, not. and you wonder my my big wonderment here was why now are people believing that this is like bad stuff? Well, because because the crazy survivalist army guy told him on the radio. Now, why am I believing him? Because he's the crazy. It's Paul Sorvino. I already told you, I'm afraid of him. I'm not gonna. He just told me that it's bad, and I need to do something. I'm gonna do it. Is he like a famous separatist survivalist? I, I don't know. I. Don't know. Oh, also, there's a there's a whole scene on the plane when they're getting to the to to the radio station, where he telling the he tells the marketing director lady that um eighty percent of the people don't like him. They, in fact, that they hate him, and he could do much more good for the world if people just liked him and believed him. So he wants to hire her. Like for PR to to make people like him. He also hits on her, and well, he hit on her when he first when she first showed up. And Mo tells him, "I'm sorry, but I think you're hitting on my woman." And he looks at him. He goes, "That's okay. You're probably going to be a casualty anyway." Yes, at the that, factory. Okay, that was funny. That was funny. Paul Sorvino has the best. He's the best part of this movie. He really is. It's it's because it, his character is so over the top. But then you see. And this is where it just gets weird is you see them burning the stuff. You see all this, uh, you know, this aftermath happening where people are, you know, are, are going after the stuff. And then Mo shows up at the distributor's place again. The guy who he talked to who told him you can't stop it, right? And he tells him that they're in trouble. And he's like, no, we're not. This isn't our fault. And who walks out except the guy who hired him at the beginning of the movie? And now they're working together. Mm-hmm. And the stuff is dead, but now they have the taste. And the taste is only made with 12% of the stuff. And the rest is ice cream and ice cream product. Therefore, that's not enough of the stuff to get you to harm you. Only enough to get you addicted to it so that you'll buy their product. And Moe's like, how do you know this? Well, we tested it in a small town in Illinois. And I'm like, Haddonfield. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so, uh, but that's what led him to that first town. That first town that was abandoned where he met Chocolate Chip Charlie was where they were testing the stuff. And so now they're testing it in Illinois, but this is only 12% the stuff. 
So it's safe. It's enough to addict them. So, it's, I mean, evil corporate nonsense. We want people to be addicted to our food, but we don't want it to kill them so they come back and go after us. And then the craziest part happens. Mo pulls out a gun, and young Jason walks in with a case of the stuff. And they put it out there, and he pulls a gun on him and says, start eating. And they're like, no, no, no. And he's like, you, you got a boy in here to, to do your... And he goes, that boy has lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his parents. He lost his home because of the stuff. And he's, he's seen enough. They're like, you don't want him to watch this. The kid's like, I've seen more than you know. And they start eating it. And of course, they don't want to eat it until they take two bites. And then they're fighting over it. And they eat like cases of it. It cuts and there's cases on the floor. They look sick. They look like they got the stuff sweats. Mm-hmm. And they're eating it. And then you hear the police coming. And he's like, oh, the police are here. And I'm like, well, why'd you make him eat the, st- like, what's that going to, what is happening? Like, why, what did you do? I, I, I don't know. But he makes him eat the stuff. And then you hear the police coming. And then it cuts to a, a you think the movie's over. And it cuts to this middle of the night in, like, some seedy area of town. <laughs> right? And there's these couple of dudes standing out there. Looking all shady. Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey's apparently one of them. Car pulls up. Dude jumps out of the car, pops the trunk, and pulls out a case. This big box. And he hands it to the guy. And they go over to the street. And they put it down on the curb. And they cut it open. And it's a case of the stuff. And the guy opens it, dips his finger in it, tastes it like he's checking for like like it's coke like it's coke looks at the guy smiles and nods and the credits roll and that's the stuff and that's the stuff one of the most wonderfully insane films i first of all okay let me ask you this and i'm gonna st- i'm stealing this from how did this get made which is a show that i really love talking about weird movies and at the end of it they always ask would you recommend this film are you asking me if yes, I would? No. You would not tell people to watch this. No. No? no. So we just This is this is where the fanboy and the cynic come in. No. You wouldn't this, on, you want me to rate this on a scale of 1 to 10? Sure. I give it a 4. Okay. But you don't think there was some, it was at least it like just to, if you were sitting around, I mean you can watch Oh, by the way, you can watch it for free on Tubi. Yes, this is something we should probably point out at the beginning. This one is available free on Tubi with with commercial interruptions, but they're actually pretty short and pretty infrequent. Yeah. So it 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 doesn't I think they're 90 seconds and I think they show up every 20 I, minutes. I would I would say that um this does not those commercial breaks do not disjoint this already disjointed film. You wouldn't just say just for the fun of watching Garrett Morris talk at Chocolate Chip Charlie, watching Paul Sorvino at his absolute... I've seen him in a lot of things now. Never seen him this crazy. No. No? No. Totally would not recommend this. Okay, fair uh-uh. enough. Um, I I'm would- a little more discriminating against this kind of stuff. If it, See, here's, here's the deal, I audience. I love bad movies, though. Great listeners. I like bad movies, too. I'd, I actually like Plan 9 from Outer Space. I think it's fantastic. Oh, I do, too. Um... There's enough, let's be completely honest, there's enough B, C, B level films out there that are crap that are more fun to watch. And if I had that choice, there is other crap I would rather watch than this crap. I, okay, I'll um, go with that. Um, one, of, one of my f- guilty pleasure horror films is Motel Hell. Motel it's Hell a crap is good. film. I don't care what you say. Motel it's a crap, is actually good. It's a crap film. I'd rather go sit and watch that. Um... I would rather give me another crap film. 
I don't know. I, I, you, I, I, I don't have guilty pleasures. I watch movies. I like to watch movies. I don't care if they're bad. I don't mind bad movies. I just didn't find uh, there are more. Ent- for me, there are more entertaining bad movies. Well, out this there. wasn't scary, um, and we should talk about that. What about Larry Cohen was saying about it? How it was edited down. So yes, yeah, so Larry Cohen uh, was irritated that this was released as a horror film because he saw it more as a satirical comedy. Which, knowing that, and you watch it, you're like, I can see where he was going with a satirical. Com- uh, comedy on it, the FDA and, and and the corruption. And if anybody ever wants to talk about FDA and drug, food or medical device approvals, let me know. That's what I do. That's my job. So, um, he did mention about how people eat things they know are bad for them, and they keep. Eating we use we use the where's the beef lady. I mean, that just kind of builds into that whole consumerism mentality of 1985. On top of everything else, it it was yes. the greed is good decade, right? So I can see where he was going with it, but I don't think that Larry Cohen had a cl- very clear objective on how to do that kind of film. And he well, he, he defended himself by saying that they edited the crap out of this film on him. They cut it. They made him cut it down to 87 minutes uh depending on which interview with him you hear they cut anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes out of this movie well and but but here's the thing you and uh, you more so than i but in 25 years of marriage i've i've gleaned a lot of this kind of information um you can only blame so much on the editing on, on this one um it editing Editing, I think, at times can make or break a film, but he's using it necessarily as an, as an excuse for the film. Well, because now he did admit, like they cut out the what do you call it scenes, like the the bedroom scenes where they went back to the hotel, like the romance scenes. But if they cut, but out, that we didn't need that. Right. Even if you wanted to do a satirical comedy, you didn't need that. But if they cut out, like there there are weird jumps in this film that don't seem to make sense and if there were scenes in between that connected them that made it make more sense it might have been a better film but i don't think that the there was a cut to the beginning of the film he dropped you in that was a director choice yeah which set the tone which sets the tone for the rest of the film and and, and i will say this even if you don't want to watch the whole film if you can find it on tubi just and to get one of the things that made me just be like, oh, my God, I'm loving how insane this is. And you were getting up- upset. The first 15 Nobody minutes, said I was getting no, upset. Not, not ups- okay, not, that's, okay. that's the incorrect word. Okay. Well, you were you were just like, oh, this is awful. It like, was awful. Correct. I didn't. I, okay. But that's not upset. I'm, okay. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or anything like that. I'm just saying you were you were disliking that first 15 minutes, the incessant info dumps, the, the weird jumps in time that they Never explained how long it was. I watched that and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Like, how did they even put this together? Oh, it's- I got a good crap movie that that I would much rather watch. <laughs> okay, Pieces. Pieces isn't a very oh, well done film. No, but uh, but I enjoy Pieces. It's not very well done. The story's really good though. But Pieces is an actual horror film too, and I think that's one of the big. I think if you're gonna say you can't recommend it, it's because it's it's supposed to be. A horror film. That's how it's promoted. That's how it's put out there. It's not scary. The special effects are really not very gross. There's not. A, there's no blood in the film. It's all stuff. The, it's weird, uh, but it doesn't. Also, doesn't make it as a satirical commentary on our consumer society because it's so edited down that that stuff doesn't come across. 
I don't, and, and truth be told, if we're looking at horror films, things I don't watch, I don't prefer, I don't like zombie films, but I like, mm. I, I'm sorry, David, I really don't mm. like zombie films, but I like slashers and torture porn. Like that's, that's, that's the sick side of Heather coming out or the nurse side of Heather coming out going, look at all that blood. Like I've seen it squirt across the room in real life. That's how it looks. <laughs> um, I've cut, I've clamped arteries down to stop bleeding. Like that's how it, that's how you do it. Um, so it doesn't necessarily need all that for me to be a horror film. There are, what's my, what's on my top five list of films? Okay. Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby, you see nothing. True. You don't see a thing. Uh, well, you get a bit of the rape scene. But other than that, there's no blood. There's there's nothing. You don't see it. And, and I feel... And even in Halloween, which is one of our favorites, which we talked about on the last episode, there's there's not a lot of blood in that film. Uh, haunt, the House on Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah. There's no blood in there. That's the breathing walls. and Oh, the haunting. The, the haunt, yeah. Robert Wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't That's see any brilliant. of that stuff. They so, show you nothing, and it's horrifying. So you don't necessarily need blood, guts, or... or fantastical kills to make a good them. film. I do enjoy them. So you would not recommend it. I No. No, and I will I will be happy to recommend other crap films. I would say if you're them. if you're if you're in the mood for something that you will make you laugh at how crazy it is, I would say I would definitely watch this. I've seen this movie several times. Um you know, if it's on I would leave it on just to laugh, but it's 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 I'm watching that and laughing at it more for a whole like it, it's 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 bat crap crazy and that I can't stop. It's like watching a train wreck. I can't Here, stop. Here, this watching. is what I will say, hobbyist. If you're painting, go ahead and throw it on because if you're not paying attention, you're not going to miss anything because it's probably not in the film anyway. There you go. That works. Uh, okay, so I think that's about it. We've covered I think most of the in- interesting tidbits and facts. Yeah, a movie. And I did try to find out uh, thing. I did find the budget was one point seven million, which is, I mean, eighty five. It's still not a huge budget. No, um, not when you're getting into the late eighties, early nineties of the of the two hundred million dollar movies. Well, and remember, like the eighties were the were the the golden era of slasher films, anyway. So right. They were getting some money. And this came in amidst all those slasher films. And I was expect when you see the poster or the picture of the guy's face stretching and the stuff coming out of it. So promising. I was expecting so much. Um, I could not find a domestic gross on any, like even the websites that reported that, it said not available. So no idea if this movie made money or how much money it made. Um, and maybe we can give a little side note here uh, away from the stuff. We did see um, Candyman. This weekend, um, mm-hmm. I think we would both recommend that film if you guys uh, like horror. I really enjoyed um, it. Keep in mind that it is a direct sequel to Candyman, not the other can- versions of Candyman, not Candyman two or three, but the first one. Um, I know a lot. Give of it a watch. Stay, you know, stay through the credits. Oh, the credits are so cool, and it's not a like an after credits sequence. It's just during the credits. The, yeah, there's some. Um, there's a, really there's some pr- amazing art going on. Yeah. there. Uh, I would now that that one I would recommend. Yeah. Um, all right. So, folks, what we would love for you to do is to go either to, um, well, uh, you know, go and comment. If you're listening to this, please go and comment on this. I, I know it's posted up on the Patreon page. Please let us know a what you thought. Did you see it? Did you like it? We would love to have you guys talking about it. Um, 
I let David this. pick this one. I think I'm going to pick the next one. <laughs> well, you okay? I kept asking what you wanted to watch, and you couldn't come up with anything. So I'm like, let's do this. Um, but l- let us know what you'd like next. And would you like a- another horror? Like we could do horror movies till the cows come home, but we could do a comedy. Like I would love to do My Blue Heaven. Now that that popped on recently, that's such a fun and goofy movie that would be a fun one to do let us know what you'd like us to talk about because until we can get going to some cons or doing other stuff it's going to be talk like this unless some really cool show comes on tv that we might start you know like just reporting on doing little extras about you know like we could have done if anybody's looking we could have done loki week to week that yeah or if anybody's looking for tv recommendations um we have so many. Of those. We have so many of those. Um, currently, though, I think our current fave is Evil, which is on Paramount Plus. Uh, it started as a CBS series on on season one. Season two is moved to streaming, where they've taken off the handcuffs of this show. It is definitely horror. It is definitely psychological, and it is definitely worth the watch. Oh, this last bad. this last episode, I won't. I've rewatched everything. I won't go back and watch rewatch this one. It was a little gross for me. It was gross, and it was creepy. It was yeah. just creepy. So, uh, if you guys are looking for that kind of stuff, let us know. We will be happy to. Um, undertake those uh, i think uh some things that i think we're thinking about coming up uh i believe we mentioned it this the last episode but our very good friend has a film coming out yes uh, so let's I, I let's let's give a minute david to talk about um I talk about school, this film i went to school with my friend mike carey and we have been writing and putting stuff together for years but he has actually pursued it like he's been on uh, it's either Chicago Fire or Chicago PD. He's he was, done a bunch of he's those. He's done a bunch of TV he shows. He was in Chirac. He was in Chirac, yeah. Um, and uh, he got this movie produced. Him, he's in it with Chris Margetis. Mar- Mar- I, I, I always mispronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. D.B. Sweeney's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's called... Oh, the, and the MMA guy. It's he's called, like a big guy. Oh, um, yeah, look it up. Uh, but it's called... The Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre. And if you want to watch two wrestling heels kind of past their prime doing a, a, a Halloween show uh, where guys get infected by this stuff and basically turn into zombies and they've got to fight them off. Um, it's I've already seen it. We saw it at Flashback Weekend in, in August uh, at the like, world premiere, and it was brilliant. Uh, September 16th. It opens. You can get it on iTunes on September 16th. I, I, on their iMovies, you can download it. Uh, just look for it. You'll be able to find it. Also, it's coming to like 10 cities. And I know if you're in the Chicagoland area, September 16th, 7 p.m., the Music Box Theater. Now, that's not a huge theater, but they, uh, Mike and Chris will both be there, and they will be showing the film. I will definitely be there, and um, that's going to be a good time. No, oh, it, it's Randy Couture. That's it. That's right. Randy Couture is in it, and uh, like I said, it's it's so much fun. It's a it's a great little horror movie. There, uh, I've 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 got a little inside info that the at the end they hint at a sequel, and I am ninety nine percent certain that that movie is 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 either in production or it's in pre production that is going to get made. So if you liked it, there's going to be more. Um, yeah, if you and if you if you're in the Chicagoland area and can get down to the music box on September 16th, go see it. It's gonna be fun. I I love that movie. And it's you didn't even you don't like zombie movies, but this is like it's like zombie light, so it's okay. I think in the movie they said they actually in the movie used the phrase zombie adjacent. Yeah, it's a uh, but you know, 
support we support local we support our friends so So, we're very proud of him yeah so uh like that's that so um we will be back and once again um you know we're we're hoping we're probably you know putting this up on the on the main garage hammer feed but this is usually a patreon show we're gonna put this one up um you know, if you want to join Patreon to to get more of this, if you like this, guys, give us some feedback because we enjoy doing this. We watch a lot of movies. We talk about movies. We're basically just doing what we usually do after we watch a film. Except putting the microphones in front of our faces, which yeah. is literally how Garage Hammer started. Christopher and I would sit for hours and hours talking about Warhammer, and then we heard other pod, like Podhammer, and Christopher goes, you know, we could do that. All we got to do is do what we normally do, except into a microphone. And that's what we're doing here. Yeah, so we're having a blast. So um, we hope you enjoyed it. Now, before we go quick, I need to wrap up the show Garage Hammer style. Mm -hmm. And that is to thank our sponsors, which is Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Hi, Kevin. Six Squared Studios for all your basing and MDF and 3D printing needs. And Grognard Games, because there's always something happening at... Ding, grognards. I don't have my bell with me, and there's always a bell with that, so I had to say ding. I'm just explaining well, it to You're kind Heather. of a ding bat. Oh, see? That was just, that was what we call unnecessary, but I still love you. Uh, and thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. Once again, those people who make up that 1% who make this show and every other show we do possible. Uh, our associate producers, Christopher Sanders, AJC, and Big Jake. Our executive producers, Colin Miller and Tyler McDonald. And our newest patrons, Victor Escudia, or Escutia and Ian McPhail. Once again, Victor, I'm sorry if I'm mangling your name. Um, I will say it correctly if you cor- sh- tell me how to say it correctly, okay? Um, folks, thank you for listening. Heather? Another show done. Another show done. This is my second one, guys. I hope you're enjoying doing this. I do have fun doing this. I hope quit, people enjoy it. Suck. Yeah, right. <laughs> I go through. Then you get to co-hosts. listen. You can listen to David talk all. The, oh, dude, if your wife quits on you, that's bad. Well, we won't get into that <laughs> conversation. Okay. Super uh, bad, folks. Until next time. Only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. Hey, I didn't know we were going to do that. That's how I end all the regular episodes. I'll do that. We need like a shot or something after that. Oh, do we? (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like a toast, doesn't it? Or at least like it. Well, that's how we end That warrants a a tequila shot. You didn't tell me that. (laughs) Oh, because you don't listen to the show. That's how I end every show for like 100 episodes. That's how the show ends. Don't you think that needs a tequila shot? No, but now you know. See, uh, well, yes, we can do that after we turn it off. But see, now you know the importance of we need to come up with a way to start and end garage world because we need our own thing mm. that's not age of sigma related mm. see i didn't know that was age of sigma related yes there's a certain group of warriors and they say only the faithful when they go into battle and whatever the situation is only the faithful do it so this is where i tune out yeah and so then yeah uh, and then and then sigmar came down on a big bolt of lightning and brings all his guys with the hammers and they come in and they fight off the forces of ca- it's, uh, her i think eyes i have to go over. pee now my but, mom says you have to go, go home now, now. <laughs> That's how we should end it. My mom says you, you have, have to, to go, go home now. now. Oh, God. So we say that all the time. Sorry. Now you all get right. to hear David and Heather banter. Okay. Yeah, but that's the show. Folks, um, seriously, tomorrow I'm supposed to record with Chris. Get that FAQ episode out like I promised you. But, um, you know, we'll have it out before the 10th. 
So it'll be early. It should be in a few more, just a few more days. I hope you stuck with us till the end on this. I know it's not. That I the know, movie sucks. Uh, well, it's not just the movie. I, this, I mean, this is on the regular page. This is not Games Workshop content, but. This is the nonsense that goes on that I give to the patrons. Okay, this is the reward, and I'm using air quotes, <laughs> to the patrons for helping the show. Now, I hope that doesn't mean they quit. <laughs> but like I said, this is just, uh, if you listen to the, the toolbox where we talk about our hobbying or gaming, when we get to that other section, and I ramble on about non-games workshop stuff, that's this is just an extended version of that. So, hope you enjoy it. Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. All right. We'll talk to you all soon. Only the faithful. <laughs>